Well, the picture you see uh, uh, up here is uh, of our last uh, Tuesday morning Bible study that we had at Perkins Restaurant. Um, if you've gone by there recently, the windows are out and they're tearing it down and it's not going to be there much longer. Dennis Caldwell uh, graciously took the picture. It, it made me think, uh, uh, you can see Pete Tremel there, uh, John Hamill's kind of leaning over him in the back uh, up there. And Pete Tremel and I, a couple of other guys, started that Bible study, and I, I think it's like almost 40 years ago now. We've been meeting every Tuesday uh, studying God's Word. Uh, it kind of makes me feel old when I think about that, <laughs> about how long we've been doing it. But what a blessing to be able to get together and study God's Word. And So we've been studying uh, recently in the book of Acts, and... Um, Luke, uh, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke, uh, when he was writing uh, the book of Acts, uh, went and did research. Uh, basically, as a former law enforcement officer, he went and did an investigation uh, into the life of Jesus Christ. And he uh, is sharing some things uh, in here. And one of the things that I really appreciate, uh, he uses several different uh, people within uh the book of Acts to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and how they did it in different ways and in different uh, manners of sharing sharing the gospel. Well, we've been in the uh, ninth chapter uh, of Acts, and if you want to turn there with me, uh, Acts chapter nine, and uh, of course the beginning part uh, of Acts chapter nine uh, deals with the conversion of uh, Saul and. Um, First time we, we heard about Saul, he was uh, there at the stoning of Stephen, and he's uh, holding the cloaks of those who were doing the stoning. He was there giving approval to that. Uh, he was a zealot who uh, tried and had in his heart to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. He did not want the gospel to continue to go forward. He was uh, set on trying to stop that. And so, if you would, I'm just going to read quickly verses 1 through 19, and then we'll talk just briefly about that. And then the area that I want to cover is in the next few verses. But chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for a letter to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, and that's the Christian church, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from the heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, and asked for a man there from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him 
to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. We'll stop there for a moment, and then we'll pick up uh, at that point here. Uh, shortly, but if you could kind of catch a, a vision here of a couple of things. First of all, Saul is very committed to his mission, which is to destroy what he believes is something that's in opposition to what God wanted for the Jewish nation. He is zealously going about to destroy Christianity. And as he's going along the road, all of a sudden, a bright light. I think it's kind of like the one that's up there shining in my eyes. And this bright light comes, and it, and it, and it causes him to fall on his knees because he doesn't know what to do. It's, you can imagine how frightening it would be. If, if you could picture yourself walking down a road, and all of a sudden, a bright light catches you. I mean, it, it doesn't say it was night. This light is brighter than the sun at this point in time. He falls to his knees. He doesn't know what to do. And Jesus himself, the resurrected Jesus Christ, the one who had been crucified, who was raised again on the third day, that Jesus appears to him. And he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what is Saul to say? <laughs> who are you, Lord? I mean, who? I know that this is something more than just a vision here. There's something going on. Who are you? What's this all about? And Jesus says, I have a, this is my paraphrase, I have a mission for you, Saul. I'm sending you forth with something that I want you to do. I have a plan for you to go and to do something. And the way you're going to do it, you're going to go into a town and somebody is going to come there. And so then, he, then, then the easy one comes along, right? Can you imagine you're a man uh, named Ananias? And, and you're sitting at home and you're, you're probably kind of, you, you've heard the story about this guy Saul coming into your town, right? And, and you know that he's coming in there to take prisoner all of those who would call on the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, all of those who would say, yes, I'm a Christian. Okay, and he comes to he comes to Saul and he sa- or to Ananias and he says, uh, "There's this guy by the name of Saul, and he's over there on Straight Street. Go over there and lay your hands on him and pray for him." Yeah, right, Lord. I'll get right on that project. Right. I mean, think about it. Right. How frightening would that be? This guy has the power from the government to take me and arrest me and probably have me put to death. And he gets up because Jesus Christ is speaking to him. He gets up and he goes and he does what he's asked to do. 
That whole section uh, just clearly shows how God, Jesus Christ, is in the center of somebody coming to know him as personal Lord and Savior. And I want us to start with that understanding as we uh, approach this next little section because it's a significant place that we have to start. Saul has a conversion. He becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. And we have to have that base to start with. So now let's pick up where we left off in 19b. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those that heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on the name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. I'm going to stop there and we'll pick up again in a moment, but couple of words there as we were studying this section uh, on Tuesday, and John Thompson and I talked about it a little bit the other day. There's a couple of words there that really jumped out at me as we were reading this section. And, and I've read it many times, and I know I've, I've read those before and, and thought about them, but, but Tuesday it really caught me. It said, at once or immediately, Saul who later becomes Paul, began proclaiming Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Can can you imagine, here's this guy who is out to destroy anybody who calls on the name of Jesus Christ, right? He's the one who has, for for lack of a better term, he's got a warrant for their arrest, and he's going to haul them off to jail. He is persecuting them. And now, immediately, after his conversion, after he has seen Jesus Christ and come to a point where he realized that he must trust that Jesus Christ is who he claimed he was, God, he has to acknowledge that. And immediately, it says, he got up and he went out and set about proving to the people that Jesus Christ who is who he said he was. That's the next part. He baffled them by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And that was the word as I was reading that this week. And again, like I said, I've read it many times. And, but as I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking, proving that Jesus is the Christ. We have people who are constantly trying to prove that we're wrong as Christians, Right? How often do we set about to prove that Jesus Christ is who he said he was? How did Saul do that? What did did Saul have at his disposal that allowed him to go out and prove that Jesus is the Christ? So I got to thinking about it during the week. How did he do that? Well, who was Paul? Let's, Let's kind of think about who, or Saul, who was he? In Philippians, he describes himself in this way. If anyone else thinks uh, he has reason to put his confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Saul was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was full of zeal for his mission of serving God. He wanted to do everything that he possibly could to be as righteous as he possibly could in the sight of God. He wasn't a a terrible, awful person who who was converted from a terrible background. No, he is a man who honored God in every way. He didn't know Jesus Christ as his Savior until he met him on the road. He was full of zeal for God. He was committed to serving God. But Jesus had a better plan for him. He had a better idea for him. He had something, a different mission for him. But he wasn't the kind of man who would just trust and believe in emotional things. So so even, even the meeting and seeing the light and all of that kind of stuff wouldn't be enough for him. He would need to research and go back and do some proving. So I thought about that. What would he have used, what would he have done to prove who Jesus is? How would he have done that? He hadn't, I mean, this is immediately now, remember, this is like right after. He would not have had time to sit under somebody's teaching and preaching. He wouldn't have had time to attend Bible studies on Tuesday mornings for, for 40 years. He would not have been able to have gone to women's retreats and, and, and be, be filled with, with wonderful teaching. He would not have been able to go to camp at Lake Ellen and, and to receive instruction about how to walk with Jesus Christ. It's an immediate change. What would he have relied on? What would he have turned to? What would he have gone to as his source of being able to do this? I I read today, or yesterday, uh, uh, I'm sorry, this week, uh, C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of the Narnia, he was an Oxford professor who, like Paul, did not trust his feelings. But rather, he investigated things before he would believe them. At one point, he felt compelled to investigate the claims of Jesus Christ. He concluded that Jesus must have either been a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. Why? If Jesus claimed to be Lord and was not, he was either lying or, delu- or deluded. Yet Jesus' teachings attracted large crowds during his lifetime, deeply touching many. Further, his teachings were profound and well-crafted, indicating the efforts of a highly intellectual communicator, not a madman. Lewis then investigated whether Jesus, what Jesus said could be true. Through his research, he learned that Jesus' teaching and life fulfilled Old Testament prophecies. Further, he observed that Jesus' followers lived and died for the belief that Jesus physically raised from the dead. Historically, numerous lines of evidence supported an empty tomb and a missing body. This left only one remaining choice for Lewis. Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that's exactly what happened here with Saul. I believe that he 
was convinced that Jesus Christ is who he said he is, which is God. That he met him on the road, that his life was changed forever. And people saw an immediate change. So again, I started asking myself the question, so then what was it that he was using to prove who Jesus was? How was it that he was proving that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the promised deliverer of the Jewish nation, prophesied in the, in, in the Jewish Bible? Again, what would he have been able to use? Well, he would have had to use Old Testament scriptures. He was steeped in that, right? He, he knew the Old Testament scriptures very well. He, he had them probably memorized. Books of, of the Old Testament law probably memorized every single word, every jot and tittle in there. He would have known all of those. He would have known and, and re- have read uh, the prophetic teachings about Jesus Christ. Or about the Messiah who, who became Jesus Christ. He would have had all of those scriptures that he would have relied on. He would have gone back to his roots, the Old Testament. Well, how do we know that uh, that's one of the things that Jesus or that Paul did, Saul did at that point? Well, turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, says this, now, and this is Paul writing, he says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay, that I preach to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I, what I received I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins. What's the next section? According to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. According to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles and last of all, he appeared to me also. I might have skipped a little part there. He, was, he died for our sins according to the scripture. He was raised, or he was buried according to the scripture. He appeared, or he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. What had been prophesied in the Old Testament was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. What had been promised about the Messiah, the one who would come and save, was completely and absolutely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He would have used that Old Testament scripture to prove that Jesus had to be all of these things that he said he was. Belief in who Jesus Christ said he is and who in fact he is, is the center of the gospel that Paul would teach to the Gentiles and share with us as well. Well, what are a few things that we can learn from 
Saul's conversion? What are some of the things that, that we can pick up from verses uh, here, you know, 21, 22, 23, and 25 of chapter 9? Well, let's look at a couple of those. First of all, Saul is completely and obviously transformed. His life has changed. How do we know that? Well, the people around him saw the change. It was obvious to all of those around. It says there in in verse 21. His life was changed. They saw the change in him. He was never the same. He grew more and more powerful in his faith. As he shared his his faith, as, as as he shared from the Old Testament the scriptures that he was using to prove who Christ was, he was growing stronger and deeper in his faith. His transformation brought about opposition. You know, as you look at Christianity, there has always been opposition to Christianity. In fact, I think that when one of the ways that we know that we're on the right track is if we're speaking of something and there's opposition to what we're sharing about Jesus Christ. Because when we're teaching about Jesus Christ, we're in opposition to what the world is teaching. We're on two totally different tracks. We're going two totally different directions. There's opposition that arises. And then God protected Saul from those who were in opposition to him. Uh, they were coming after Saul. Uh, I'm just going to summarize real quickly. They were coming after Saul. They were going to, to, to kill him. They were going to take him off and, and have him crucif- or killed. And when they were doing that, he was let down over the wall uh, in a basket and, and escaped. God provided a way for him to get out. So here's my question to you and to me. If these are signs of a changed life, Do you have any of those signs in your life? I was thinking about what Ralph shared about about Sarah from the camp. And if you think about his, his story that he shared there, here's a young lady who her desire was to share the gospel with a young child. But there was a fear that was there, wasn't there? So she stayed in her chair. It was like, okay, one of my desires is to do this, But that's kind of scary. (laughs) Especially if maybe she had been listening to the presenter and she's thinking, I can't do the way the presenter did. I can't necessarily share the gospel of Jesus Christ the way Pastor Brian can. And there was a fear that was present. But you know what? It's never a coincidence or accidental that there's a little girl sitting down next to her. That was God-ordained. You see, God is never surprised by anything. God knows ahead of time. God knew that Sarah needed that little girl sitting next to her. 
so that she could share with her the gospel of Jesus Christ. Using whatever resource she may have had, which it sounds like she's gone and gotten training, so it's different than it is it was back then. But she used the resource and the, the things that she had to be able to share the gospel with this little girl. Isn't that what we're called to? Isn't that what, isn't that what happened with Saul? Saul is using the resources that God had given to him, which was his old Testament training. I went online and I did some research just out of curiosity uh, of some of the verses in the Old Testament that talk about the Messiah. And the one that I came to said, you know, that the statement on the top was from them, you know, that these are early rabbi uh, confirmed uh, things of what the Messiah would look like. So that was, that was kind of cool. You can see the verses up there. So then I thought, well, what else? So then I went and I found another spot. And I found these ten. And then another ten. And frankly, I could have kept going because there was 40-some uh, verses. I didn't want to put them all up there because I didn't have enough time to put that all together. <laughs> Think about it. And you could see the, the New Testament verses that confirm what the Old Testament prophecy said. Folks, as you and I are out in the world that desperately needs to hear about a risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we have a resource at our fingertips that we can use and share with people. Verses that that maybe we've heard over and over again. Maybe a new verse that we read on a particular day. But we have a resource just as much as Saul did. Saul was steeped in the Old Testament and he used that. You have things that God has given into your life. You have resources. I have resources to be able to share the good news with a lost and hurting world. What are we doing with that? How are we making ourselves available to the little girl sitting next to me? Or the big man sitting next to me? Or the wife, or the husband, or the brother, or the sister sitting by me? What are we doing with that? How are we using that? Well, as you can see, I have C.S. Lewis's picture back up there. When he came to the point where he concluded that Jesus is Lord, he bowed his head and offered a simple prayer, acknowledging his belief. He expected an overwhelming sense of emotion, yet experienced little. However, over time, his life transformed, and in time, faith influenced his scholarship and his writing. His books and lectures have shown worldwide that people can follow Jesus Christ and excel intellectually as well. His example continues to challenge, inspire future generations. C.S. Lewis, just like Saul of Tarsus, one day met Jesus Christ. For C.S. Lewis, it wasn't a, a dramatic seeing of a light and falling on his knees, but there came a day when 
he recognized after doing research and study that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was. God. And we have the scriptures from 1 Corinthians that give us the gospel. Folks, if you don't ever remember any other verses, go back to those verses because they lay out for you as clearly as any place in the whole Bible the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can share that with other people. But even more importantly, I think you can share a changed life that you have experienced. Because nobody can refute what's happened to you personally. If you have met Jesus Christ, if you have trusted him as your personal Lord and Savior, you have a story of truth about a risen Savior that you can share with others. What are you doing with it? How are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you to influence the lives of others on their spiritual journey? It's so easy for us. Ralph, I thank you for the example you gave today of Sarah. Because it's so easy for us to be the Sarah, isn't it? It would be so easy for her to have just sat there that day and never have told anybody about how to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But God had a better plan. And he put somebody right there next to her. And folks, God on a regular basis puts somebody right next to you and I and says, tell them about me. And you don't have to be young or old. You don't have to be a mature Christian. You don't have to have gone through and studied all kinds of theology. You just have to know and believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. He is God. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. There are Millions of people all over the world that don't know that. Somebody has to tell them. Is that somebody you? Is that somebody me? We have what Saul had. And even more. And look how he influenced and changed the whole Gentile world because he was obedient to God and he went forth and he shared the good news. Folks, we are on the winning side. You know what? I read the rest of the story. We win. Let's go and let people know that. Let's be more faithful at doing that. I have to do that. Probably all of us have to. Would you join me in prayer? Lord God, I thank you for this morning and for your wonderful word, the challenge and the message that we see when we read of you meeting a man like Saul on the road to Tarsus or to uh, Emmaus. And Lord, we recognize that we are no different than him. We may not have had the training and the knowledge that he had from the Old Testament, but Many of us have heard teaching after teaching after teaching about Jesus Christ. 
Lord, help us to not be just hearers of the word, but doers as well. Help us to be those who not only know these things, but those who share and testify to a risen Savior. You are an amazing and awesome and wonderful God. Help us to share that with others this week and the weeks to come. Lord, we have people who are so discouraged with our government, with, with the way that things are going in our world right now. We know that there is only one solution. That is our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to believe that and to share that with a lost and hurting world. Lord, we can't do it on our own. We need your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would lead and guide and direct as we go through this day and the days ahead. We thank you for that. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.